This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, I think I'm going to blow your minds a little bit today. I found something that uh, is really, really interesting, and it begs the important question, what the hell was the CIA up to in this entire Spygate thing? What were they doing, and why is this um, escape advanced scrutiny? You don't hear a lot about the CIA, right? Were they spying on Trump, too? Our friend Technofog, Travis over there, has a really good piece on it, but don't go anywhere. And a lot to talk about, including Trump's uh, social media site. Just stay tuned. Loaded show today. It's time to stand up to big tech. Amen. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. I've got that. Huge news. Donald Trump welcoming uh, welcome him back to social media on his own platform. I'll show you what's up with that. And also uh, an interesting development with the truckers, including the uh, attacks going on by the press that against the truckers and the reason that's going on. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Man, all right, Joe. Let's go. It's showtime, Dano. Let's go, baby. It, today is showtime. I'm very excited about today's show because I think I found something interesting that I haven't heard a lot about. First, huge news welcoming Donald Trump back to the social media ecosystem hey, on Donald Trump's own a social media platform. Um, I am there. Truth Social is launched in beta. There are um, some people on there now uh, going through it. It is a beautifully designed site. Uh, Truth Social, I can't say enough about it. This is my first post on Truth Social. As you see, I am at DBongino on Truth Social. It's good to be back on social media. I'm still on Parlor and Locals as well. Twitter, my team has. You're not going to get any original thoughts from me on Twitter. But uh, my first post says, free speech. I thought no better way to, to open up my account on Truth Social than that. Free speech. I've been posting uh, uh, a lot in the last 24 hours. Uh, also, you'll see this article at DailyMail.com. You can find in my newsletter today. It looks very familiar. Don Jr. posts screenshot claiming to be Trump's first post on upcoming new $1 billion true social platform. I can tell you it is Donald Trump um, on there. It's, uh, it's, it's not claiming to be Donald Trump. It is Donald Trump. That is his first post on his new platform, True Social. I will keep you updated when it launches for everyone else, um, but it is a beautiful site. You are going to love it. And... Um, I'll get into more why Twitter now is freaking out, banning people. Probably Joe has something to do with True Social getting ready yeah. to launch. I think everybody's in a little bit of a panic, so stand by on that. All right, listen. So yesterday, I'm reading this Substack by the great Technofog. He was a fantastic writer. He's been all over this Spygate case from the start. 
And he posits that there's another enormous scandal here, not just the two things I mentioned in the Spygate case. Just to recap, the two things, I, the big takeaways from the recent filing about Hillary's spying operation on Donald Trump. Takeaway number one, the legal filing against Team Hillary and their lawyer says that among the internet data they exploited were the websites, Trump Tower, the Trump residents, and uh, the transition were, were stealing, right? We're, we're, we're visiting, excuse me, they were taking that and giving it to the Clinton campaign. Among, meaning what other data, internet data, they exploit and spy on? You get the, you get the hint? The second point I said is, the conflict of interest with Latham and Watkins, where Obama's fixer used to work, says to me that Durham knows Obama's got his fingerprints on all of this stuff. Durham's got to know that. There's a serious conflict of interest there. But let's move on. There is a third enormous brewing scandal. Gee, Joe, follow along. They haven't heard this yet. All right. What the hell was the CIA up to during this entire time? CIA, why would that matter? Well... The FBI can legally spy on people in the United States with the proper warrant and court documentation. Right. The CIA is, generally speaking, prohibited from doing so. So if the CIA was involved in the spying operation on Donald Trump, Joe, last time I checked, call me crazy. Donald Trump is a U.S. citizen, right? Yeah. The president had to be yeah, a U.S. Yeah, citizen. Yeah. Okay, thank yeah, you, yeah, Joe. Joe cool. is the resident Joe fact checker. We, Gee, can you confirm that? Gee's giving me a head nod. Yes, thank he is you, a bro. U.S. citizen. So if the CIA... Was spying on Donald Trump, then why isn't this a bigger scandal than it is? Now, I've only been talking about this for five years now, but I decided, in case you think the article's fabricated and made up, the left wing media outlets, notably CNN and others, used to report on the fact that U.S. intelligence agencies were involved in spying on Donald Trump. No, Dan, they weren't reporting on that. Okay, here's the article for you. CNN Politics, Jim Shuto, Pamela Brown, and Eric Bradner, April 14th, 2017. British intelligence passed Trump Associates communications with Russians on to U.S. counterparts. Gee, please keep that up for a second. I want to read the headline again. It's a CNN, folks. CNN. It's not Bongino.com. Okay, it's not some crazed right-wing conspiracy. It's CNN reporting here that British intelligence passed Trump associates communications with Russians onto U.S. counterparts. By the standard definition of U.S. counterparts and British intelligence, you would think they would mean U.S. intelligence. Yeah. Could that mean the CIA? I don't know. You tell me, but we'll go on here. So I, I remember you may this. say to yeah. yourself, you, of course you remember that. We only talked about this article, yes. you know, probably 50 to 60 times. Now, let's be crystal clear here. If they passed information onto U.S. counterparts and that story is false, then why is it still up on CNN? Why hasn't it been pulled down? Who were the U.S. intelligence counterparts? And you may be asking yourself, gosh, why would CNN out a spying operation on Donald Trump? It's very important you understand why. Back in April of 2017, CNN probably believed the pee-pee hoax and the collusion story was real. So the reason they wrote this article, I hope you all understand this. The reason they wrote this article was to suggest that, my gosh, this collusion thing is so serious, so serious that even the Brits knew about it and they're working with the U.S. because it's a grave threat to national security. They only panicked about that piece later on when they were like, oh, my gosh, we wrote about the spying operation and they were spying based on a hoax. What do we do now? We can't delete the piece. What do we do? 
The answer is nothing. You just have Dan Bongino remind you what you wrote about. <laughs> Who were those U.S. counterparts that the U.K. was passing, U.K. intelligence passing information to? Let's go on. The great technofog, you should really be reading his substack because it's spectacular. He has a piece out. It'll be in my newsletter today. Bongino.com slash newsletter. There's a, it's very short, the newsletter today. There's only about four links. Please read them all. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Sign up. This one specifically. Techno says the unstated scandal. The CIA collected info on President Trump. Whoa, really? Now did they? Again, we've been chatting about this for a really, really long time, but kind of strange how it seems like techno and a small circle of Internet sleuths who are very smart are the only ones picking up on this story because the CIA spying on an American citizen like Donald Trump, if he's the president, sounds like a really big deal. Let's go to takeaway number one. I want you to pay very, very close attention to the things I highlight, please, with respect. From Techno's piece, he says, if Sussman's, a wait, just to be clear, I don't want to read and stop. Sussman, again, just in case you're just joining us today for the first time, but they're talking about Sussman Techno. That is Hillary Clinton and the DNC's attorney that's giving information, according to the allegations to the CIA and the FBI about Trump that's false, okay? Sorry. If Sussman's attorney is telling the truth, never a given, then we suspect the executive office of the president data included that from the 74 days the Trump transition of the Trump transition period between November 8th of 2016, the election, and the January 20th, 2017 inauguration, which would still be spying on the incoming Trump administration. So just to be clear, hold on that paragraph. We'll come back to the second one in a second. Sussman's attorney is responding to these spying allegations saying, well, we weren't spying on the Trump White House. Uh, you know, they're not alleging they were spying on the Trump White House. It was just during the 2016-2017 period, and it was largely the Obama White House. Which, what Techno is saying here is, listen, if this involves the transition period, it doesn't matter. There were still Trump people involved in the transition. Therefore, you were still spying on the transition. You get it? It's going to be important right, later. Right, yeah. Okay? Okay, cool. For background, he goes on, Travis, quote, for background, the executive office of the president includes a number of executive councils, councils, National Security Council, Office of Management and Budget, et cetera, that support the president. It is involved generally in the transition from one president to the next. So just to be clear again, Techno saying even if Hillary Clinton's lawyer went to the CIA and the FBI with information and they were only spying on the transition period, they were still spying on Trump. Everybody tracking? And, and some of the executive office of the president's councils, possibly, possibly. Copy. Travis goes on. Technofog goes on here. He says the agency that Sussman, the agency two that Sussman went to, Hillary Clinton DNC lawyer with the information, was the CIA. We know for sure that Sussman met with the CIA general counsel. We learned in January 2022 that if Sussman is to be believed, there were two other CIA employees at that meeting. Oh, really? In other words, a Clinton-supporting IT contractor, Rodney Jaffe, obtained sensitive information, perhaps unlawfully, about the office of the President of the United States, Trump, manipulated the information, passed it to a DNC Clinton lawyer, Sussman, who then delivered it to the CIA. 
all on American soil. Techno notes, this is important because the CIA is generally prohibited from conducting domestic operations. Here, the FBI explains, quote, the CIA collects information only regarding foreign countries and their citizens. Unlike the FBI, it is prohibited from collecting information regarding U.S. persons, a term that includes U.S. citizens, resident aliens, legal immigrants, and U.S. corporations, regardless of where they are located. That's general. So if the CIA is a general prohibition against spying on American citizens, especially on U.S. soil, that's an FBI job if they believe a crime has been committed in violation of U.S. law, but I said the same thing twice there. Then why isn't it a bigger scandal that Michael Sussman, the Clinton DNC lawyer, met with the CIA and passed him some possibly unlawfully obtained information from a spying operation? on either the Trump transition, but we know, according to the allegations, Trump Tower and Trump's residence on Central Park West. I have a lot of questions about this. Who was CNN's source for that? The passing of British intel to U.S. intelligence officials. Who were those U.S. intelligence officials? If CNN is now refuting their reporting and saying it is, in fact, inaccurate, um, then what's inaccurate about it? Why is that story still up? Why is nobody in the media asking these questions? You know, the whole CIA, COINTELPRO, the media lost their, oh my gosh, CIA, they were spying, US. Uh, I'm just kind of curious why nobody in the media, outside of conservative media, um, is even remotely interested about this, outside of a few excellent reporters, Lee Smith, Jeff Carlson, Hans Monkey, Fool Nelson on Twitter, uh, these, these guys. Technofog, Undercover Huber, people who've done more, people who have done more to expose the spying operation, the most significant political scandal in U.S. history than anyone in the United States government. A, a bunch of Twitter and Internet salutes. They did it. And the, the, and then the country owes them a debt of gratitude. But that made me think of something that came up a while ago. If the CIA is generally speaking, not supposed to be spying on U.S. citizens and U.S. soil, then why did Sussman go to the CIA? Oh. And why was this executive order updated right before Trump, Donald Trump took office about what the CIA is supposed to do in their procedures? Here, from the CIA's own website, I want you to pay very, very close attention to the date. When was Trump inaugurated? January 20th, 2017. Did you find it kind of strange? CIA puts this out on their website, January 18th, 2017, two days earlier. Statement on the release of the CIA's updated executive order 12333 procedures. I want you to notice uh, some of the updates right before Trump gets into office. This is called, this is under the exceptional handling requirements for electronic communications and other sensitive information. It says the CIA complies with executive order 12333's prohibition against conducting electronic surveillance in the United States. But, but Joseph may in the course of its authorized intelligence activities acquire electronic communications through other means. Oh, it may. Hmm. Electronic communications, like maybe those from the Trump White House, Trump Tower, and Trump's apartment. What other means can you acquire that through? 
maybe like a DNC lawyer. I'm just asking. Is that, are we allowed to ask? Is that, is that okay? Oh. Kind of weird. Like they had to clarify that a couple of days before. Just really odd, right before yeah. Trump gets in. Strange, huh? Acquired to other means. Hmm. Had to remind everyone that the CIA can do that. Really, I got goosebumps because I just, as I pride myself in like putting these little pieces together. Again, I'm just asking questions. You'd think the media. I know the left, they're right, they weaponize questions. No, the media used to ask questions. Now that's been left to us. Here's another fascinating thing about that uh, update conveniently put on the CIA website just a couple days before Trump. Kind of strange, this one, too. So remember how I told you before that, you know, the, there's a bunch of councils and things in the White House that fall under the EOP and things like that. And then the FBI was always looking for an excuse to tell us how this thing started, because the real reason the spying operation started on Donald Trump is because Hillary Clinton wanted the FBI to spy on Donald Trump. So they always had to make up reasons. This is really weird. This falls under the EO 12333 uh, update. It's called Limitations on Undisclosed Participation. Bear with me. It's a little bit long. It's about a paragraph, but hang with me. It says, this executive order authorizes the IC, intelligence community, including the CIA, to participate in organizations in the United States without disclosing their intelligence affiliation in limited circumstances. It says, while CIA officers generally disclose their affiliation with the agency when engaging with the United States organizations, in certain situations, CIA officers may be allowed to withhold that information in order to maintain their cover. So generally, CIA is not supposed to conduct undercover ops in the United States. You get it? It goes on. The revised attorney general guidelines provide clear rules concerning the revised guidelines concerning the CIA's undisclosed participation in organizations in the United States. For example, under the AG guidelines, CIA employees may not join or participate in an organization for the purpose of influencing the organization without disclosing their affiliation. Uh, <laughs> Unless the organization is composed primarily of non-United States persons and is reasonably believed to be acting upon behalf of a foreign power and the CIA employees receive the approval of the director of the CIA. Oh, dude. So, <laughs> right. Unbelievable. So they had to clarify that. Yeah, if the CIA believes some foreign organization on behalf of a foreign power, maybe operating in the United States, maybe like a Russian collusion operation that, yeah, we don't have to disclose who we're working with and what we're up to. Yeah, that's that's just, that's just, uh, that's just the craziest of updates right before Donald Trump gets in there. That's one of those golly moments. Man, isn't that strange? My gosh. Now, because the CIA, you get kind of picking up where I'm, when I'm laying down here, folks. Kind of a strange update, right? That they can, the CIA can now acquire electronic communications through other means. We need to clarify that. What do you mean? Like Trump DNS data and that stuff? Oh, and you met, the Clinton lawyer met with the CIA too? Oh, oh, weird. Weird how he had to clarify that. And then you're allowed to participate in organizations when you think there's a foreign collusion element to it? Gosh, that's strange. Man. My father would say, man alive. 
I got more on this coming up in a minute. How the CIA has no law enforcement authority at all. So they were kind of limited when they got this intel. Electronic communications through other means. So they needed the FBI to initiate an investigation. Problem is they didn't have anything. So they made it up. How do I know they made it up? Because they can't seem to get their story straight why they started investigating Donald Trump. I'll prove it to you in a second. Henry Repeating Arms manufactures a line of high-quality rifles, shotguns, and revolvers you can be proud to own. You talk about people who love America. True patriots dedicated to this country so much so their products are made in America with parts and materials from America. They use old-world craftsmanship combined with cutting-edge technology to deliver reliability and accuracy you can trust in any situation. They're easy to use and maintain, making them an excellent choice for both novice and experienced shooters. Whether you're a hunter, sports shooter, or looking for land or home defense, Henry has over 200 models so you can find the firearm that's right for you. There's also new releases throughout the year. Every purchase is backed by a lifetime warranty, and the company's owner, Anthony Imperato, also gives his personal guarantee for 100% satisfaction. Make sure you go to their website. It's henryusa.com and order their free catalog. They'll mail it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals. You're going to love these firearms like I do. So, folks, you see there's this CIA allegations in the media that the uh, or the allegations in the media that U.S. intel communities involved in the spying operation and Trump, which seems kind of weird because he's a U.S. citizen. The CIA is generally prohibited from spying on U.S. citizens, generally. Technofog reports on the meeting with the Clinton lawyer and the CIA, which would mean spying on U.S. citizens, notably Donald Trump. And then conveniently, a couple days before the inauguration, there's an update put out on the CIA's website about electronic communications acquired through other means and the CIA not having to disclose their affiliation with the CIA if they think there's some kind of like foreign collusion angle with foreigners. But the CIA is not a law enforcement entity. They have zero law enforcement powers at all. They cannot make arrests. And most of you already know that. Some liberals don't. They think the CIA is our police officers. They are not. They're an intelligence operation. The CIA needs the FBI to initiate an operation in the United States. They need them because there are limitations, even after the executive order, what the CIA can do. So it's clear to me at this point that the Clinton campaign and someone in the intel community, whether it was Jim Clapper, whether it was John Brennan, I'm not sure, pushed the FBI to get involved in this and to spy on Donald Trump. The problem is the FBI had to go to a FISA court and the FBI didn't have anything. So because they didn't have anything and couldn't find a reason to initiate a law enforcement operation against Donald Trump because the information was all made up and the FBI knew it, they just made it up. They just made up the reason. Now, the bizarre thing about this is the FBI, because they made up the story. Now, think about it. I used to call it Paragraph One. Remember that show, Joe? Paragraph One. What is Paragraph One of the EC and the FBI? How this thing started. When I was a Secret Service agent and you got a case, it was always Paragraph One. It told you how it started. I was contacted by Bank of America investigator Bob Smith. Bob Smith tells me there's fraudulent activity on this number. One of my largest cases started with a bank fraud investigator named Bob, and that was paragraph one. What is paragraph one of the Trump case? What was the initiating element that made you believe Trump was colluding with the Russians in violation of U.S. law? Excuse me. What, what made you think that? I remember, think about this, that Credit Master case and how it started 20 years later. I remember the guy's name was Bob. I'll leave his last name out of it. He worked for Bank of America. Called me about a suspicious credit card case in Long Island. I remember it like it was yesterday. Why can't anyone at the FBI remember how the Trump case started? 
Why, why is that? You don't all find that kind of weird? So this FOIA was issued, and we got some of the handwritten notes. We don't know who they're from. But on this point, as to why the FBI can't seem to remember how the case got started, here are some handwritten notes about the, uh, the comments by Donald Trump. Remember the comments by Donald Trump where Donald Trump had said, and that thing that, you know, maybe if you find Hillary's emails and, and, they, and he, was ta- he said they claim he was talking to the Russians, he was making a joke. Remember that? Well, some handwritten notes came out yesterday. And you'll see it says, if you can read that, it's on my Rumble account. I'll read it for you. It says, legitimacy of vote. I can't read, need your comment by Trump, find 330,000 emails. Talking about the Trump thing. It says, after this, a foreign service remembers a conversation with Papadopoulos. What does this have to do with this? Folks, Peter Stroke, the lead FBI investigator, when asked by 60 Minutes about how this thing started, said, well, Donald Trump called on the Russians to steal Hillary's email. And the next day or the following week, whatever it was, Alexander Downer, an Australian, remembered a conversation he had with Papadopoulos about just this and walked into U.S. officials and told them about it. So just to be clear on the timeline, Trump says, Russia, go find Hillary's 30,000 emails. This is the FBI story. And an Australian Foreign Service officer over there, or a politician too as well, a diplomat, Alexander Downer, then went into the U.S. intelligence office and started this whole thing. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a problem with that timeline. Big hat tip Hans Maki on, on Twitter for reminding me about this. Here is a segment. It's about two minutes long. I did a while ago about how the FBI and Peter Stroke, the lead investigator, can't seem to remember how they started their own case. Check this out. When they saw that statement by Trump, that that triggered the memory of the conversation they had with Papadopoulos. So Donald Trump, with his own words, brought this investigation down on himself? According to what the foreign government told us, yes. Oh my gosh, is this guy a moron? I mean, really, this guy has the IQ of a, of a, of a sea urchin. So he's suggesting that the July 27th speech where Donald Trump, folks, you remember this 2016, where he says, Russians, you know, Hillary's emails are out there. The press would love it if you found this. You remember that? Now, listen, not the best thing to say. He wasn't telling the Russians to get the emails. You're saying the press would love it otherwise. You get the hint? When did that speech happen? Russians, Hillary's emails. Remember that? When did it happen? Well, let's look at the New York Times reporting on it. By the way, big hat tip Hans Monkey on uh, Twitter for this. He's a great investigator. These are his screenshots. Donald Trump said on Wednesday, July 27th, that he hoped Russian intelligence services had successfully hacked Hillary's email and encouraged them to publish whatever they may have stolen. So, you know, Joe, dates and stuff. So Trump gives his speech on July 27th. So Peter Stroke, if you want to rewind the tape, you can see in that clip, he says, after... The Australians heard that on July 27th. Then they came to the FBI and said, hey, we have some information about Trump and the Russians. This could be really suspicious. So, Joe, you're following, right? July 27th. Yeah. Speech. yeah. Strokes the lead investigator. He's definitely the smartest, right. smartest person in the room. He's with the FBI. Come on. So that would mean what? That the Australians, if they saw that speech and were, wow, we got a real problem. We better talk to the Americans. <laughs> That would have to be July 27th or later that they gave the tip, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, thanks. I mean, I wasn't a trick question. I can tell you're confused. Like, this can't be this stupid. <laughs> okay, well, let's go to the Mueller report as to when the Australians approached the FBI. Oh, July 26th. Ju- <laughs> July 26th. So they, <laughs> July 26th. <20th>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Well said, Joe. Maybe we should put that on a t shirt too. Um, little early's right. <laughs> Key wanted to note I'm wearing the same shirt. Um, I just want you all to know. It's not actually probably, I have about 20 versions of this. These are BCM American flag shirts. I'm not kidding. That's a, oh, Dan, just admit you only have a few shirts. No, I swear. I do get a lot of these. Gee, <laughs> can you vouch? I've given you tons of them. It's true. Okay, thank you. I may, Who knows? It may be the same one, but I do have multiple versions of it. Yeah, Guy wears them all. That's all we wear is BCM shirt. So I know. I'm like, Guy said, he's like, it's funny you got the same shirt on. But you get this, you know, Joe and I with our typical banter, kind of weird that the lead investigator, Peter Stroke, is saying Trump gives this speech on July 27th. Hey, Russia, go get Hillary's emails. The Australians hear it and they come to us with all this information about Papadopoulos. And that's what started the whole thing. Weird that the lead investigator doesn't know that the Australians came to the United States via Downer on July 26th, the day before the speech. How how they how they do that? How they do that? But they, is it Alexander Downer Stradamus? Like he knew he knows Stradamus. He predicted what Trump was going to say the next day and was inspired by it. Hey, you walked into the FBI. Uh, he walked into the excuse me the Intel official. I think it was Dibble, and he says, "Listen, Trump's going to give a speech tomorrow." And he's going to encourage the Russians to get Hillary's email and a joke. And that's inspiring me to tell you about a conversation I remember. How did that happen? This is the lead FBI investigator. Offsides. Yeah, offside. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Blowing the whistle. Holding. I think it's 15 (laughs) yards. Not sure what the penalty is. Oh, I don't even know the thing for offsides. Um, I I haven't watched the NFL in so long. Uh, Offside. I mean... Do you not get the stupidity here? It's. Please, please. I did this for a living. It is only the most important case of Peter Stroke's entire career. You're telling me I can remember how every single significant criminal case I investigated federally started. Every one. I can remember the details. And you're telling me Peter Stroke can't seem to recall how his case against Donald Trump started. I'm going to close this here. Of course he knows how it started. It started with Team Hillary and these intelligence officials and these Fusion GPS people pushing him a narrative they knew were false. They at the FBI. They wanted to investigate Trump and they were going to go find a reason, so they made it up. And when you lie, it's hard to remember your lie. And Peter Stroke was clearly lying. What's paragraph one? How did this start? Whose idea was it? We'll find out one day. We'll find out. Just one quick note. I read a lot online because uh, I want to follow about your critiques and comments about the show. The show's for you. I want to make sure I perfect it every day. I'm a mayor. I'm a meritocratic capitalist. I want to produce a product you enjoy, you like, and it's educational. And I continue to see in places, these people saying, oh, man, Dan Bongino, he's saying again, he's hyping this thing up. A bunch of people are going to get arrested. I'm sorry to address the minority of people who believe that. I don't know how many times I have to tell you. 
I have, let me repeat it for the umpteenth thousandth time. I have exactly zero faith that the Department of Justice is going to arrest anyone of significance in this case. If it happens, wonderful. But, Key, how many times you heard me say that? Maybe 100? Joe, have I been saying that for about five years? I, I'm telling you this because it matters. It's the biggest scandal in U.S. history, and I'm not letting it go. Why? Because it's inconvenient? Oh, because nothing's going to happen? Oh, okay. So because nothing's going to happen, we're supposed to just pretend it didn't happen? I'm not playing that game. I'd rather take my chances and hope one day someone gets into office who will prosecute these people before the statute of limitations run out. But I'm not letting it go. Ever. And no, I have zero faith that the Department of Justice is going to do a damn thing. And I hope I'm wrong. Amen, Dano. Amen. I mean, it just bothers me because, you know, I, know. I, I don't want you to think I'm setting you up. Oh, look, everybody's going to go down and everything's going to be nice and we're all going to sit around a campfire. No, we're not. But it is important us as patriots unclose corruption. Uh, excuse me. Uh, disclose what we know about the corruption that happened here. It's important. But I just they want you to let it go. And what, we want to just do it? I'm not doing that. Speaking of corruption, the now fascist government up north led by Justin Trudeau, uh, Justin Trudeau, the now failed, disgraced prime minister of Canada has become a global laughingstock. Kim Jong-un is like over in North Korea. He's like, wow, Emergency Powers Act. Who knew you could do that? Maybe I'll just try that here and give it a fancy name like the Emergency Powers Act, right? So Justin Trudeau, um, appeared in front of his entire governing body there yesterday. And uh, it's kind of hilarious. They heckle each other in these parliamentary systems. Uh, we need to do more of this here. Don't you think? I'm totally down for heckling in the House of Representatives and the Senate. You may disagree. I love heckling. So here's the hapless fascist Justin Trudeau who appeared in front of a, um, a bunch of his fellow colleagues here trying to explain away why he's made himself a dictator and uh, listen to him get heckled the whole time. This is great. We need more of this in the United States. Check this out. This is a time for responsible leadership, not crass partisanship. The situation requires additional tools not held by other federal, provincial, or territorial law. It's what responsible leadership requires. These measures must be and will be compliant with the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We will always defend the rights of Canadians to peaceful assembly and to freedom of expression. But these blockades need to end. And unfortunately, conservative politicians continue to encourage the leaders of these blockades. To our Canadian conservative <laughs> brothers and sisters who heckled them yesterday. Thank you. We love you all. Great job. We need more of that in the United States. We should start heckling here, too. Some of you may, oh, no, we need Robert's Rules of Order. Screw that. Robert's Rules of Order, my caboose. And look where it's gotten us, nowhere. Um, so, of course, he, uh, Justin Trudeau has anointed himself dictator. He's now enabled himself. Uh, he, he said he can now steal your money, take away your freedom. He can do all kinds of things dictators do because of emergency powers, which, by the way, I will have a really, really interesting monologue tying this to the January 6th bomber to the Spygate thing on my Fox show Saturday night. Please don't miss it. I'm working really hard on this monologue. It's something you haven't heard here before. Set your DVR if you can't make it live. Here are the truckers up there in Canada, and uh, a, a media reporter, hat tip post-millennial here, asks one of the truckers, hey, uh, you know, dictator fascist Justin Trudeau now wants to steal your bank account and steal your money because of the peaceful protests you're engaged in. 
And uh, the trucker has kind of a funny comment. They ask him if he's leaving. He gives them kind of the uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Leo DiCaprio. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Here, check this out. Are you concerned at all about uh, your bank account? Uh, no. There's nothing in it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so if he wants to go in there and put some money in for me, that'd be fantastic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, how long do you plan on staying in Ottawa? As long as it takes to get this stuff straightened up. Absolutely. Might, we're not. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. Do you think uh, the protest is having an impact? A huge impact. Absolutely. It's bringing people together in huge amounts. Gosh, I love these guys. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you, watch that there. Hopefully you're watching it on my Rumble account. If not, you're listening on audio. It's fine, too. Does that sound or look like a Nazi white supremacist terrorist to you? You know what it looks like to me? Just a hardworking guy who wants his freedom back. God bless you all for what you're doing. God bless you all. Peaceful protest. Unlike the left trying to get people back their God-given rights to body sovereignty. Two takeaways, important ones. We're not leaving, number one. And second, Justin Trudeau, the new dictator of Canada, says he's going to steal your money out of your bank account. Truckers is fact. Go ahead, there's no money in it anyway. Unless he wants to make a deposit, he can then take out to make a point. Good luck with that. Violence is next, by the way. Violence? Dan, you talking about violence? Yeah, yeah, I mean on behalf of the government. I'm not talking about the truckers. I have no concerns about the truckers at all. I'm glad everything has remained peaceful. That's the way to really change things. But don't be surprised if um, Justin Trudeau moves towards force and violence next. What else does he have left? You know, the most dangerous people in the world are people with nothing to lose. I said it many times. I'll say it later in another segment. Justin Trudeau. Is um you know running out of options here. As his as his popularity craters. Of course, this is all being assisted along by uh, people who don't know what they're talking about. And uh, Geraldo Rivera being one of them. Here's what Geraldo uh, tweeted out this morning. Uh, this it, right after this first uh, this first few words, you should have laughed them off immediately. According to the New York Times, ah, that's it. You should have tuned out right away. But I'll read the rest just for laughs. Geraldo says, according to the New York Times. Right-wing American money is helping sustain Canada's freedom convoy. American conservative media, including my own, he's talking about me, by the way, is helping sustain the truckers intransigence, suffering the Canadian people from what is now far more than a protest versus vaccine, vaccine mandates. The truckers intransigence. So Tucker, who was, uh, you know, pretty much defended these BLM people and their right to protest all the time, uh, despite them burning down American cities, has a problem with a the overwhelmingly peaceful protests of truckers who are asking for respect for their body sovereignty and God-given rights. Just amazing. And they're blaming it on people like me for highlighting these trucker convoy. That's what the press wants, ladies and gentlemen. They want it all to go away. That's what they want. They want this all to go away. And big tech is helping them. I said in the beginning of the show, I was going to address this again. Why the panic by big tech in the last few days and weeks? Folks, they know Truth Social is about to come out. It's already out in beta for, again, a couple of us, uh, which I think was a smart move. You want to make sure it works right? Very smart move. Some of you, 
Some of you have asked, you know, why do you think he released it on a limited basis? Because it was a really smart move. You want to make sure the site before a deluge of people functions right. You don't want tech breaks. That's a very smart move. Let people test it out. So that's why it's not meant to be some like caste system where the important people get it for. That's not what that's about at all. I just want to be crystal clear. It's making sure it works right first. Folks, they're panicked. True social and the, the overwhelming, exploding success of Rumble as an alternative to YouTube has them all in a panic. The communists at Twitter wiped out yesterday Defiant L's, which is one of the most uh, uh, prolific, uh, well-followed accounts on Twitter. All they do is post liberals' own tweets, which make them look like idiots, wiped out yesterday. And there are 350,000 followers. Zero Hedge, if you try to link to Zero Hedge on Twitter, it claims it's some kind of like misinformation or shady site. Zero Hedge. Because... Uh, some, some Intel officials told them it was some Russian propaganda. Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe that. I believe Intel officially. Yeah, sure. Here was Susan Wojcicki yesterday, too, from YouTube. Here was Susan Wojcicki when appearing on what appears to be a podcast, basically calling for the government to start banning free speech, and she's all about it. They're panicked. They are panicked. Rumble and Truth Social. Have them running. They don't know what to do. Listen to her own words. I think governments like can can always you know our, our recommendation if governments want to have more control over online speech is to to pass laws to have that be very cleanly and clearly defined such that we can implement it. There are times that we see the laws being implemented or or being suggested that they um, they're, they're not necessarily clean or possible for us to cleanly interpret them. Um, and we've also seen sometimes there's laws passed just for the internet, as opposed to for all speech. Um, and I, I do think that's a dangerous area when we start to get in and say, oh, sure, you could say something like this in a magazine or on TV, but you can't say it on the internet. I mean, basically implicitly winking and nodding that the government should just outright ban more stuff. The CEO of YouTube, I can tell you right now, I don't speak for him or the company. But knowing personally the CEO of Rumble, he is an avid defender of free speech. And he doesn't, he's not driven by money. I'm telling you that as, as knowing him as a friend. I don't speak for the company and I don't speak for him. But he will defend free speech no matter what. Because that's what we do. Here, more evidence that Democrat, the Democrat big tech symbiote, they are panicked before 2022. They know their friends in Congress and the House that have been protecting Congress and the Senate that have been protecting them are their days are numbered. Look at this Politico article. GOP culture war attacks are alarmingly potent. DCCC warns Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. The Democrats know that they've been teaching kids to be racist through critical race theory for a long time in schools. Parents caught on and they hate it. And all of a sudden, the culture wars are starting to turn because the culture war the left declared on us is starting to turn on the left. You need more information here. San Francisco School Board. The San Francisco School Board election. Three radical leftist San Francisco School Board members got routed yesterday in San Francisco. San Francisco. This is not Dallas, Texas. It's San Francisco. They got destroyed. They want to change the names of schools, push all this crazy nonsense on the schools. They got routed. As I said to you, if winning has a look to it and the turnaround's begun, and this is what winning starts to look like, 
big tech is panicked. Um, I want to get to just a Biden moment in a minute. Another one of Joe's seen it. Another one of those Joe Biden. Oh my gosh, what is this guy <laughs> talking about stories? Before I get to that, um, just to, um, I hope uh, you rest in peace with the Lord, PJ O'Rourke. PJ O'Rourke was a great inspiration to me, as some of the best quotes ever. He was a commentator, he was a brilliant man. Um, he died yesterday at 74. If you ever want to spend just hours uh, looking up just witty, comical, but very timely impression quotes, just put in PJ O'Rourke quotes. You can read them all day. Here's one of my personal favorites from PJ O'Rourke. The Democrats are the party that says government will make you smarter, taller, richer, and remove the crabgrass on your lawn. The Republicans are the party that says government doesn't work. And then they get elected and prove it. <laughs> there, folks, there are thousands of these out there. God rest your soul, PJ O'Rourke. And it just reminded me of my old theory, right? I've been putting out there often, that PJ O'Rourke quote. Now, Republicans may not be the solution to all your problems, but the Democrats are most certainly the cause of it. God rest your soul, PJ O'Rourke. Good man. Okay, a little bit of comic relief and then a story I warned you about a while ago uh, about Eric Adams. This guy's the new, oh, look at this guy, up and coming star. This guy's going to run for president one day. I warned you about this guy, I worked with him. Before I get to that, here's Joe Biden, uh, was this yesterday, telling the weirdest freaking story I've ever heard in my life, even for Joe Biden. No, it's not the Amtrak. Joey Baby and the Secret Service, almost shot him, Angelo, Amtrak. No, it's a different story. There's a story about Joe Biden and a dead dog. And by the way, before we play it, I'm sure this story is totally made up, given Joe Biden has no ability to tell the truth ever. But listen anyway. I got a call one night. A woman said to me, obviously not of the same persuasion as I was politically, called me and said, there's a dead dog on my lawn. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, have you called the county? He said, yes, they're not here. And I said, well, I'll get them in the morning. She said, I want it removed now. I pay your salary. <laughs> so I went over. <laughs> I picked it up. She said, I want it out of my front yard. I put it on her doorstep. You know, I got to admit a couple of things about it. the story's ridiculous. As Guy just said, and he's probably accurate. Joe, I'm sure you'd agree. The story, there's a 99% chance it's a lie. Joe Biden, there's no story he tells about his background is true. Corn pop, the corn pop, and the chain, and the hairy legs. The guy just makes up, but makes up stories all the time. But I got to admit, again, because I'm not a, you know, a left-wing kook journalist, that it's probably the first story I've, I've, I've heard him tell in a while that's actually coherent. You know, he's not like stopping and starting and messing the whole story up and, and screwing up. I, I don't think it's real, but it's it's one of the few stories I've ever heard Joe Biden tell. It's actually funny. Unfortunately, there's, like I said, a 99% chance it's totally made up. And I have no idea why he's telling people about a dead dog he allegedly moved. And I say allegedly because he's probably making it up. Yeah, it, that's a good point. Folks, he says it. he feels like Biden is only coherent and eloquent when he's lying about a story. And I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. When he's telling the story about getting locked up to see Nelson Mandela, lie. The Amtrak story, lie. He's just, he tells it so right. He does. It's like he's told himself the lie so many times. It's like rehearsed. So I'm sure we'll hear the dead dog story again. But, it, you know, 
for all the things I find to dislike about the guy, that story is actually funny, even though, again, it's totally, I'm sure it's 100% made up. <laughs> dead, dog, dead dog stories. I can't believe it. Okay, this is important, getting back to the serious stuff. I warned you about Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. Oh, damn, we don't need to hear about New York City stories. You do. This guy is being painted as a presidential candidate, the new face of the moderate Democrat Party. He's not a moderate. I was a police officer with this guy. I didn't know him personally. We weren't friends, but everybody knew who he was. The guy would show up at these scenes and was always trying to inject race into just about every police incident in New York City he could. The guy has never seen a camera he doesn't like. He is not a moderate. He is to the left of Bill de Blasio. This is all an act. How, and you're starting to see it now. Look, a New York Post article. It says, that says political. Mayor uh, Eric Adams rips press and claims white journalists misrepresent him. You know what? I could read it, but let me, I'm just going to play the audio. Here's Eric Adams yesterday at a press conference claiming that the, the media, the media, hilarious show, the left-wing media, the left-wing media in New York City, like to the left of Lenin, doesn't understand him because they don't, quote, look like him. You believe this crap? Listen to this guy. We need to really stop distorting the news. You know, and I'm going to say this. And, you know, I'm not saying it out of hate. I'm saying it out of love. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written? I, I can't believe it. Man. I cannot believe we're still doing this. So just to be clear, the you know Asian school kids being kept out of really good schools in New York City because they're actively being discriminated against, right? You can't understand their story as the mayor because you're black and not Asian. Oh, no, no, we didn't mean that. You see how the identity politics boxes you into a corner you create yourself? Folks, that's all this guy has. He's not even particularly bright. He's been doing this his entire life. This guy's to the left of de Blasio. Here, you doubt me? Here's a 2019 video of Eric Adams talking about his experience with White police officers he calls crackers. Check this out. Day in the police department. I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department when you just went up black to law enforcement. Came a sergeant, a lieutenant, and a captain. You know the story. Some people all of a sudden trying to reinvent me. There you go, folks. That's the Eric Adams I knew. I've warned you about him the entire time. Warned you about him on Fox right after the election. Everybody's like, oh, no, Dan, give him a chance. Well, not everybody. Most of you caught on, too. But a lot of other people are like, give the guy a chance. And we did give him a chance. Now, he's blaming white reporters uh, for coverage of his already awful record in New York City. It is what it is. Told you. All right, folks. Unfiltered, Saturday, 9, uh, 9 p.m. Really appreciate it. Please set your DVR of my Fox show. I got a big show for you planned this week. Uh, and also subscribe to my Rumble account if you don't mind. Rumble.com slash Bongino. We put a lot of work into the video of the podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in. See you on the radio show later. You just heard Dan Bongino.